This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Go to GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Hello, and welcome to Daily Drive. It's Friday, February 4th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. Consumers keep doing more shopping, including for cars, online. What they say about your brand there can mean a lot. More on that later. First, let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Ford is making money some of it from trucks, a lot from its investment in Rivian. The maker of F-Series pickups yesterday posted a $12.3 billion net profit for the fourth quarter. Much of that bottom line result came from an $8.2 billion gain from the company's investment in EV startup Rivian. For the year, Ford's profit totaled almost $18 billion, compared with a $1.3 billion loss in 2020, On an adjusted basis, before interest, taxes, one-time items, and such, Ford earned about $2 billion in the quarter and about $10 billion for the year, despite ongoing supply chain constraints that have stymied production and sales volumes. Executives predict increased profits and volumes in 2022 as Ford expands its EV portfolio. Here's CEO Jim Farley from The Analyst Call. We're done with incremental change. We have a clear plan, a buys fraction, and whatever it takes mindset. Ford expects to earn about $12 billion in adjusted earnings this year. In Congress, U.S. lawmakers are introducing right-to-repair legislation this week to ensure consumers can get their vehicles serviced by independent outlets. Illinois Democrat Bobby Rush says the bill will ensure that vehicle owners and independent shops have equal access to repair tools as dealerships. The measure would also apply to electronic devices and agriculture equipment. Rush says the bill would end manufacturers' monopoly on vehicle repair and maintenance. Such actions are unwelcome by many in the industry. A group representing major automakers has sued to block a similar voter-approved law in Massachusetts. Also in Washington, the Biden administration is urging the U.S. Postal Service to reconsider its multi-billion dollar plan for upgrading its fleet. The Postal Service had committed to having electric vehicles make up 10% of its next generation fleet. That means about 90% of the delivery vehicles would be gasoline powered. The EPA is asking the Postal Service to hold a new hearing on the 10-year contract it reached with Oshkosh, The Postal Service says it will review the EPA's concerns. We've seen some big battery investments in the U.S. in recent months. Here's one for Scandinavia. Volvo and battery maker Northvolt plan to build a battery manufacturing plant in Gothenburg, Sweden. The factory will produce up to 50 gigawatt hours of cells a year, enough to supply about half a million vehicles. The plant will make cells specifically developed for use in next-generation full-electric Volvo and Polestar vehicles. The companies expect operations to begin in 2025. Turning to product, 
General Motors will discontinue the Chevrolet Spark after this summer. The Spark is the automaker's smallest and lowest-priced nameplate in the U.S. It accounted for just 1.1% of the automaker's total sales in 2021. The decision confirms our reporting on GM's plans in the future product pipeline section of autonews.com. And that's the news you need to know. Ever go online and complain about a company? Think anyone cares? They do. We'll talk about it after this. Listen to Fred Hayes, service manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC, and Philip Candido, fixed operations director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive. Before GoMoto, the backups in the service lane were due to not being able to get to the customer in a, in a timely manner. There's times where menus are passed over where the advisor forgets to tell them, hey, it needs its major service. And now with the GoMoto, customers are presented with a maintenance package every time. The time freed up from not having the customer sitting in front of them every single time they come in, it helps them be more efficient. It helps them focus more on the customer's concern and the, the maintenance and service of the vehicle. Before GoMoto, we would average approximately 130000 in service gross. The kiosk in the service drive doubled the gross profit in the dealership. It's amazing, 100%. Using the GoMoto kiosk makes the dealership more profitable. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Welcome back. I'm Jamie Butters. Hendrick Automotive Group is the largest privately owned group in the U.S., according to Automotive News Annual Ranking. It generated more than $11.6 billion in revenue last year, selling more than 204,000 vehicles, servicing 2.5 million cars and trucks. A key part of the company's approach has been paying attention to customers' comments on the Internet. Hendrick Automotive's president, Greg Gock, said it's important to know when a customer has a complaint. Even better is using that to ensure future customers don't have the same problem. I reached Greg in Charlotte, North Carolina. Greg Gock, welcome to Daily Drive. Well, thank you. Good morning, Jamie. Good to be with you. Nice to meet you. So, uh, Hendrick Automotive Group, you have a large footprint, 13 states, 25 brands, 94 dealerships. How's business? How's your inventory? Uh, well, inventory is a challenge, as, as I'm sure you and your listeners uh, are aware. Um, but in business is as good as, as you know. Uh, and gosh, what an exciting time to be in the car business. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of new product coming in a real uh, a real interesting environment with a lot of strong strong demand and and not not nearly enough supply. Absolutely, yeah, and the change in the mix from the new cars to the used cars, uh, and obviously the uh, the price volatility in the in the used cars um, has been very interesting and and very uh, uh, very exciting for our our industry. Have you focused on expanding the used car business in, in this market? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Big focus on buying uh, cars uh, off the service lane, uh, from the curb, finding different ways to acquire inventory. Um, used cars is a big focus of ours, as I'm, I'm sure it is for many of your listeners. Yeah. Is there a particular, you mentioned the service lane, you mentioned off the street. I mean, is there a particular channel that's been fruitful for you in, in finding used inventory? I'd say uh, we are looking everywhere and anywhere uh, and we don't. So I would think both of those have been uh, fruitful for us in terms of acquiring inventory. So we, we, we're trying different things all the time and, and put a focus on that to be sure. I know that uh, speaking of focus, Hendrick Automotive puts a, 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 a strong spotlight on online reputation. It's been the top ranked dealer group by reputation.com for three straight years so that started even before COVID, even before you were in your role as president. But what does online reputation mean to you and to Hendrick Automotive? Why is it such a priority and what specifically does it deliver to the business? Well, uh, we we found out that, that one of the statistics is 80% of consumers say online reviews are important in their dealership uh, selection and over 40% say they read at least five reviews before they visit the dealership. So that is part of our, our culture and part of our focus. It's, it's very important to us. Um, take, for example, customer reviews. Um, we uh, are very intentional and diligent about following up as, as soon as we possibly can. Uh, one thing that, that we've shared with our group too, is that um, we want to get better all the time. One of our, uh, uh, goals is continuous improvement. So if, if there's any issue uh, with a customer, uh, communication is really key. You know, it may be, hey, we can't get a part uh, to get your car repaired on time, uh, but we got to be proactive to communicate with the consumer. Hey, here's where we are. Here's what we're doing. Can we put you in a loaner? Is there something else we can do for you? When we get the part, we'll fix it. We'll deliver it to your house. Uh, communication with the consumer is really, really key. And one of the things that we found during the pandemic that I'm sure your other listeners have found too, is that the online per, uh, portion of the transaction has changed dramatically over the last couple of years. Mm. We find people that are, they're doing much more of the process online, uh, looking at inventory, looking at options, completing credit apps. And it's very, very important for us that we touch those consumers where they want to be communicated with. Like some want telephone calls, some want text messages, some want email exchanges. Uh, some want to do almost all of it online. Uh, some want to do just the first part and then come on in and, and talk to someone in person and, and visit the dealership. So different consumers want to interact in different ways. And one of our uh, focuses is, is to meet them where they want to be, uh, uh, where, where they want to be. You know, yeah, how do they yeah. want to interact with us? Yeah, it stands to reason that if people are doing more shopping online than than your reputation online, how it's how your brand is presented and represented by your customers uh, would be important. I I wonder Absolutely. sometimes you you know you said is it more about identifying individual breakdowns in communication or you know sort of recognizing patterns and and changing you know, best practices across the, the group? I'd say, I'd say both. Yeah. 
Um, if we see a, a trend, again, in terms of, as take for example, uh, I think one thing that we found as a, as a trend is, is people want immediate feedback. If, if somebody emails the dealership or texts them or reaches out in a chat function on a webpage, they don't want, I mean, they're, they're right there thinking about it and you need to get back to them as, as soon as you possibly can. Uh, but also if there's an individual that, that has a particular issue, we want to uh, do our best to wow that particular customer. So if they've got some, you know, unique question or challenge, you know, we want to, we want to touch those folks as well. I don't know if this is a, this is a relevant example, but I, I, mean, I had a friend who had a bad experience with a service department, not one of yours, uh, here in Michigan, uh, but he posted about it and, you know, they contacted him and offered to cut his bill if he would take the post down. Is that, is that kind of how it works or is that a, a part of it? No, we, we, let me tell you a little bit about how we view negative customer reviews. One is, is that we're not afraid of, them. you know, again, one of our goals is continuous improvement. So if, you know, obviously we want to satisfy that customer uh, anyhow and, and, and in any way and every way that, that we can, but we want to get better all the time. So if we get a negative review, it's like, what, what did we learn here today? You know, is there something that we could have done differently? Could we have reached out to the customer and communicated uh, what the issues were earlier? Um, communication is, is so key. Uh, Mr. Hendrick has got an expression that he thinks that all problems uh, are really at, at the root communication issues, both with your teammates and your employees and, and with your customers. So Absolutely. if we get a negative review, we, we want to, you know, say, hey, what, you know, how do we prevent the same thing from occurring next time? You know, what, what, what could we do differently? You know, how can we get better? So it's more about learning for the next time, not going back to that person and saying, hey, why'd you give us a bad review? Can we, can we fix this with well, you? Well, no, the, the, first, the first line of attack is, you know, we want to fix that particular problem. You know, okay. so if, if somebody has a problem, we, we say, I don't know. Well, uh, can I bring the car out to you? Uh, right. Can I, you know, what, what can I do to make you uh, a satisfied customer? Because we want, you know, we want customers for life. You know, we will right. repeat business is very important to us. It's very important to OEMs. You know, they measure things like that. So, you know, that's the first deal. But then the second deal is, is like, all right, well, how do we make sure this didn't happen again? Right. Because you don't want to have to put out that same fire again and again. Absolutely. So we talked a little about how during the pandemic, of course, online shopping and even, you know, pretty close to, you know, full sales and delivery vehicles being brought to people in their homes, you know, has, has evolved. But gosh, the other thing we've really seen is this uh, severe labor shortage from the, the great, great resignation uh, in the, la the later parts of this uh, pandemic. Are, is Hendrick Automotive Group facing a, a having trouble staying staffed uh, in this time? Uh, not to the extent that we read about in the popular press, uh, but obviously we're always looking for good teammates. Um, you know, and I think industry wide, uh, if you ask uh, a group of dealers, you know, uh, technicians, you know, we're always looking for good technicians. We're always looking for good people. So it hasn't impacted our business in terms of uh, you know, we've had negative business results as, as a result of, um, uh, you know, the great resignation. One thing, um, Mr. Hendrick has always put a tremendous focus on, on people. You know, he's, he said repeatedly that people are our most important asset. 
for example, during the first part of the pandemic, we uh, have stores in, in California that were actually shut down, you know, by, you know, law that, you know, when they had the, the lockdown and Mr. Hendrick uh, guaranteed salaries for uh, people in the dealerships that were adversely impacted by, um, by shutdowns. Um, so, and, and, and that's kind of our culture too, is, is, you know, if we take care of our people, um, they'll take care of our customers uh, and, and we'll be much better off for it. Sounds like that was a, was a move that really worked. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, that was, loyalty at the beginning of the, you know, what was really kind of scary times when people didn't know when they could work, how they could pay their bills, let alone, you know, the worries about the, the health crisis. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and when other uh, dealer groups were furloughing people and laying people off, uh, Mr. Henrik was adamant that, no, no, we're going to guarantee salaries. Uh, we're going to keep the teams together. Uh, we're going to get through this as a group. Greg, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Well, thank you, Jamie. Have a great day. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. We'll be off for the weekend. Come back around on Monday when automotive news reporter Larry Velquette will be your host. When you need the latest news on anything happening in the auto industry, even over the weekend, type in autonews.com. Thanks to Josh Fried for editing today's show. Thanks to the ANTV team and web editor Victor Galvan for their help. And thanks to you for listening. Have a great weekend. Until next time, when we get back to work.